podcast presented by DraftKings. Uh, I'm Henry Chisholm, and as of right now, we have Jake Schwanitz with us, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun, and you guys remember him from back when we used to do this podcast a lot more often. Um, <laughs> and then Andre Simone, who's always around, uh, is busy doing some other stuff right now, uh, but he is going to just jump into this Zoom call, I guess, at some point during the show, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so he's going to be here too. Um, before we jump into today's show, and we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, uh, I want to tell you more about uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. So, DraftKings Sportsbook is the number one rated sportsbook app in the United States. Um, it is also the official betting partner of DNVR. DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to be for all of your sports betting action. It seriously is just incredible how many options they give you. You know, if you want to bet on an NFL game, there are 50 different props probably that you can choose from. Um, and we've been having a lot of fun. And, you know, I've had a rough couple of days. But uh, overall, I've been uh, making some cash, and that's pretty fun too. Um, if you guys want to join us in draft uh, in using the DraftKings Sportsbook app, then you can uh, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app through any app store and use promo code DNBR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick, oh, oh, that's the wrong one. Oh, here we go. Oh, no, this was right. Pick any team during week one and bet $1 on them to win $100 if uh, they win their game. That's $1 to win $100. We use promo code DMVR during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, what's up, Jake? Not much, man. Um, just enjoying the new football finally on. It's It was a long offseason, a lot of drama, but we made it, man. We're here. New games are coming on. It's just a good time to be alive. It is. It is so nice just having, like, even the one football game. And it was one of the games that, you know, you have to watch. It's it's the Chiefs coming back. Like, they won their Super Bowl. Even if it was on Sunday instead of Thursday, I, I would have watched it. But it was kind of miserable to sit through watching the chiefs win a football game and that being like the only thing on, and you just have to think about what's to come over the course of the next decade that Patrick Mahomes is in Kansas city. Yeah. Uh, we've already seen this movie over the past two years of the chiefs offenses dominating, running through mm -hmm. everything. And the thing they, they didn't even have a great night last night. No. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes was, he was okay. He wasn't, you know, anything special last night. But uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, man, just unbelievable. Already giving me nightmares about the two games that we're going to have to deal with them this year. So, yeah, I guess buckle up. Yeah, and it's so crazy because the Chiefs just dominated that game. Like, it only winds up being a 14-point win, but they had total control all the way through. Even though Patrick Mahomes only had 211 passing yards. Uh, it's it's going to be... It's going to be rough, but, you know, it's going to be nice if Drew Locke comes around and gives him a run for his money. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about what's going on in college football that you guys need to know about so that uh, when all these guys make it to the NFL, you will be totally informed about what to expect. Um, and this is a weird year, and that's where we're going to start this podcast off is just kind of talking about what is going on in college football and what we should expect and really how the pandemic is going to affect the draft. And, you know, before, before we jump in, I do want to just read through this list of opt-outs. So there are a bunch of players who've opted out um, with the goal either to come back next year and play college football or to go to the draft. Um, there are some big names, though. You know, Wyatt Davis, the tackle from Ohio State, just today became the first Ohio State player to, to opt out, and he could have been a, an early draft pick. A bunch of other tackles. Um, Walker Little of Stanford, Penny Sewell, um, probably, in my opinion, the best player in college football. They won't play, but both come from the Pac-12, so who knows what's happening there anywhere or anyway. Um, Elijah Very Tucker from uh, USC, Diamador Lenore, uh, Jamie Newman, Jamar Chase, Tyler Shelvin, Jay Tefele, Kennedy Brooks, 
Rondale Moore, Greg Russo, Caleb Farley, Micah Parsons, Rashad Bateman, Say Sherratt, like a bunch of guys who could be drafted in the top three days um, are not playing. What do you read into that? What does this mean, Jake? You know, it's it's such a tough situation. I hate I'd hate to, you know, kind of talk bad about these guys opting out because I get it. There's a lot of families out there that, you know, have people with compromised immune systems or whatever. So it makes sense for some of these guys. But it is just it sucks, man. It really sucks. Cause like you said, there's a lot of good players, a lot of players I was looking forward to watching that we're just not gonna get a chance to now. Um, and you know, it's gonna kind of weigh heavily on this draft process, I believe. Um, you're just see, not having that year of tape, uh, guys, you're not really gonna know if they're actually getting better. Um, it's just gonna be very iffy to kind of evaluate these guys and see where they fall. Um, whenever the draft is, hopefully it's in April, but uh, it's just gonna be an interesting process for these guys. You know, hopefully they're able to get back on the field at some point, especially the Big Ten and Pac 12 guys. Um, but hopefully this isn't the last we've seen of them in a college uniform. Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, we don't really know what to expect, what happens when a guy like Penny Sewell, who's supposed to be one of the top picks in the draft, almost a lock to be a top three pick, what happens when he just sits out a year? And with the Pac-12 still not having a schedule in place to play any football this season, a lot of other guys in the Pac-12 could be in similar boats, even though they aren't choosing to opt out. And it's just something we have to follow. Um, we did get a little bit of insight, though, from uh, the Steelers GM, Kevin Colbert, who was talking to the ringer recently and said this, the one thing, the conferences that chose not to play and the players that opted out, we understand all that. Obviously, they're doing it for health and safety first and foremost, and we respect that. However, the players that get to the opportunity to play and choose to play, we feel more comfortable in their evaluations because I just don't know, sitting out a year, what those players are going to look like having missed the season. There's just not a real natural source of information saying, well, when this player sits out, he'll be this because we just don't know. We respect the fact that they aren't playing, but we also have to make the best decisions. And I think the best decisions we'll be able to make are the ones where we can see them play in 2020. And then later on says this and basically sums it up. If there are two players that are close or equal, we'll take the one that has played more recently. So there's kind of a window into a front office mind. Really nothing like surprising about that though. Like it's kind of what you'd expect. No. The question still is though, how much of an impact is this going to make? And we just don't know. You know, Rondale yeah. Moore, for example, a guy who I would have loved yes. to see, a guy who I think, like, oh. if all had gone well, he could have been a first-round draft pick. But now that body of work just isn't totally filled out. You don't know how he grows and improves, and is he adding things to his game, or is he just like that, that guy who could be seen almost as a little bit gimmicky, even though I personally don't think that he is. Does that mean that because you get to see some of these other guys – play and fill a similar role that he fills do do they now pass him and he becomes the steal of the draft in the fourth round it could very well happen um you know I'm glad you talked about Rondale Moore one of my favorite players yeah. since he was a freshman just completely burst onto the scene um and honestly just watching him man it's tough for me not to kind of think of him as a first or maybe second round draft pick just because the talent he showed um, you know, he's got a pretty unique body type for how he plays as well. So him, him and, you know, Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, all those wide receivers, it's a pretty good wide receiver group that has opted out that has already declared. So it's going to be very yeah. interesting to see where they fall. Um, part of this process that I'm interested in seeing, though, is how it factors into the college football postseason, um, specifically the Senior Bowl. Hopefully these guys get a chance to make that trip to Mobile if mm -hmm. the game still happens. Because that would that week would mean even more for them at this point, um, and it'd just be cool to see these guys back in pads again, um, kind of getting some work in before the draft. So hopefully that kind of shakes out for them, and they get another chance to prove themselves here before the draft comes. Yeah, hopefully. Um, before we kind of move on from this topic, which is going to be kind of a topic we have to follow throughout the year where do you see guys getting hurt the most in terms of their draft stock? Like 
is it, is it guys who are near the very top of the draft? Do you think that that means they fall all the way down to the third? Um, do you think that maybe with all the tackles sitting out, is that a position that maybe you can get away with sitting out? Or, or are there positions where you can't get away with sitting out? Who, who's in the best shape and worst shape, I guess, of all the players who opt out? I think you pretty much nailed it. I think these tackles have a good chance of going probably where they were projected, uh, specifically Penny Sewell and Walker Little, just because those guys were already coming in as such high-profile prospects. And the NFL still has such a need for tackle. Um, I mean, we saw Titus Howard struggling last night. So there's still a need for tackle on almost every team. So I think those guys are going to be pretty okay. I mean, we've seen them already be physical and dominate on the field. Um, you know, I guess it's kind of good that they're going to be out and not risking injury at this point. The wide receivers, though, I could see this kind of hurting them. Um, mm -hmm. Specifically guys like we already mentioned, um, Rondale Moore. Uh, but like Rashad Bateman, guys that are on that first, second round bubble, can they still work their way into those premium draft spots or now are they now falling out? Um, you know, someone like Jamar Chase, I could still see him going in the first round. Um, but there's a couple guys on this list that have already declared that I really was interested in seeing. Someone like Jamie Newman, I was hoping that he could come in and make an impact at Georgia, hoping that we could kind of grow to learn who he is as a player um, and an NFL prospect. Um, and there's just a lot of DBs, you know, Ambry Thomas uh, on the Wolverines with someone, Michigan, that I was excited to watch as well. Not going to get that chance now. It's just tough for, you know, those names that really had a chance to prove something this year. I think those are guys that are absolutely going to struggle when it comes to the draft process. Yeah, and I agree. I, it's just such a weird situation. And uh, Colbert brought it up when he was talking about it and just said, like, we don't know how sitting out a year really impacts somebody. Like, it's happened before, but never on a scale where you get, like, a general sense of, like, this is not just some fluky result. We, ha we have trends that show us what to expect here. Those just don't exist. Um, it is disappointing, though, because there are a bunch of guys who I really wanted to see. You know, Jamar Chase, uh, Jay Tefele, Kennedy Brooks. Uh, three guys who I would have loved to have gotten to see this year, but I guess that just uh, won't happen uh, probably until they're in the NFL, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah. we're going to move along to, like, what to watch for this weekend, the first real weekend of college football. Maybe you call last weekend the first real weekend, but there really wasn't all that much to watch. Um, yeah. But first, I want to talk about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, Breckenridge is the official beer of DNVR, and for good reason. It's a local company. It makes the best beer out there, and they want to give that beer to you for a great price. This is an overpriced beer like some of the other guys throw out there. This is just really good stuff at a good value. If you guys want to try some Breckenridge beers, you can uh, jump on the Breckenridge Brewery website and look for... Uh, the beer locator, which will tell you where you can try whatever beer it is that you do want to try, whether it's the Avalanche Amber Ale, the Vanilla Porter Jr. There are all sorts of different options, and you can figure out where all of them are by using the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. Also, want to give a quick shout out to uh, Strava Craft Coffee. Strava is CBD infused coffee that has really been changing lives. Um, it's actually being served now at the DMVR bar. And that was the first time I gotten to try it. It's incredible. Um, it's so good. It doesn't give you the jitters. It uh, has like the CBD effects that uh, can help with back pain or anxiety or all sorts of different stuff. Um, but the best part is if you subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee, you can save 20% off of all of your orders. Uh, we know a bunch of you have already taken advantage of the one-time code, but now, like I said, you can get 20% off your favorite coffee forever. You'll never have to put your credit card info in again. Um, if you've never tried the rich CBD-infused Strava Craft Coffee, you can use code DNBR20 and save 20% off your first order. If you're a huge fan, you can now save 20% off by heading to their website and subscribing. Uh, you can get your coffee shipped every two weeks, three weeks, four, six, or eight weeks. Uh, and again, 20% off whatever product it is that you're subscribing to. They have K-Cups. Um, they have just normal grounds and beans. However you want your coffee given to you, uh, they can do that. 
And remember, use that code DMVR20 or just subscribe and save that 20% off of every order. All right. Um, I know I picked out a few games that I'm kind of excited to see. Um, I'm curious what uh, you are looking forward to, though, Jake. Well, obviously watching uh, some of the prospects that are going to be playing this weekend. Um, but, yeah, it's a tough slate, really, to kind of pick good games out of. Yeah. Syracuse at North Carolina, I guess, is your best early game. Um, and then late game, I mean, I guess just because of the name power, Clemson at Wake Forest would be the late game that you're watching yeah. for. But um, there are some guys worth watching this weekend. Um, so it's going to be – Pretty fun overall, I think. I mean, obviously it sucks we're not getting all the teams to play. And, you know, there's a lot of matchups we're missing out on. And, uh, you know, as the STC and the Big 12 kind of get integrated in, we're going to start seeing those better matchups. It'll start feeling more like the actual college football season. Um, but we just got to slog through this slate first. Yeah. And, and it's so strange with the staggered start too, you know, because typically you would have 50 games going on, maybe more even this weekend and out of those 50 you'd have like 10 really good non-conference matchups that you'd be excited to watch now it's it's some weird stuff there's there's no matchup between two ranked teams um there's like six teams ranked in the top 25 and i kind of just went through and looked at the uh top teams that's where my interest went i figured no matter what yeah. I am going to be watching a, Trev a lot of, Tre of Trevor Lawrence this season. And so I might as well get mm -hmm. that started right now. And uh, sure. I'm excited. I'm excited about that game. And I think that that's probably the first one um, to jump into. Um, Clemson, by the way, playing Wake Forest. Uh, and let's just start with Trevor Lawrence. You know, the, the talk has been for a couple of years that he could even just sit out and he would be the number one overall pick in the uh, 2021 NFL draft. Well, he's still playing, even though a lot of people are sitting out. What can he show you that would uh, make you think that he is still improving? That what, what, what is the best thing you could see out of Trevor Lawrence? Um, it's tough because I really feel like we're nitpicking at this point with him. I mean, obviously, he's a fantastic prospect. I mean, I know Joe Burrow was great last year. But Trevor Lawrence is probably the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck to be coming out. So I think we're really just looking for, you know, the finer things, the polish, um, whether he can cut down on the turnovers. You know, he had a bit of a spike in picks last year, especially when he started the season. He started to hear some of that criticism come in. So just seeing if he can keep it clean, um, you know, if he's accurate, if the ball placement's on there, uh, that's really what I'm looking for. I mean, I don't really want to nitpick until we kind of have a full body of work to look back upon. But it's just hoping that he's, you know, who we still think he is really at this point. Yeah. That's really what it's coming down to for me. Uh, they will not have Justin Ross at wide receiver this year, not because he opted out, but because of a, a weird spinal thing where he's going to go get surgery. He was one of my favorite receivers in this class. Um, I think that, I don't know, this is kind of a weird comp, but I kind of see like some Michael Thomas in him. If everything like works out for him, I could see him being like the same underneath, like do all that stuff and maybe throw him down the field too. I don't know. But now that Justin Ross is sitting out, how much of an effect does that have for Trevor Lawrence? It's going to be huge. Um, you know, just looking over the Clemson team last night, they aren't returning a lot of, you know, talent on the outside. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously T Higgins is gone mm -hmm. now. Justin Ross isn't going to be there. So, I mean, he's still got Amari Rogers, but you know, Amari mm -hmm. Rogers didn't really have a big year. He, I think he only had like 500 yards receiving. So he's going to be working with a new crop of guys. Um, besides Travis Etienne, of course, another guy I'm excited to watch this weekend, but, um, it's going to be interesting to see how they all kind of mesh together. And I guess that's another thing to look out for is how Trevor Lawrence kind of adapts to these new players on the outside. If uh, he has some chemistry going with them already, that would be huge um, because, I mean, he's going to be in a new situation next year, uh, assuming he declares. So you kind of want to see how he adapts to the new faces around him if he's able to pick up some chemistry right away. Yeah, and I like that you uh, brought up Amari Rogers because I actually think that he now has a much better opportunity 
um, to, to make a case for himself as an NFL player. You know, when you have Justin Ross out there, when you have T. Higgins out there, Amari Rogers kind of gets pushed into the gadgety role. He's just the little yeah. speed guy. He, he can't really break tackles. You're just trying to get the ball to him in space. You don't want to make him like make a whole bunch of catches because he's been kind of streaky with the hands. Now, all of a sudden, Clemson's best path forward isn't to use him as some gadget guy and not put him in opportunities where he could fail, but in my opinion, to put him out and have him play a real receiver position. Let him try to develop more of those skills um, and I'm excited to see what he can do this year now that he's kind of being forced into a bigger role. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see. And also, I mean, it's Clemson. So you got to think that some young kid might step up. We might have a new name on the scene this weekend. Uh, you know, yeah. you never know, really. I mean, they're going to have a ton of talent. So it's not that I'm concerned that they're not going to have playmakers, but I just want to see, I mean, I'm expecting them to win this game, probably win it big either yeah. way. But you just want to see if Trevor Lawrence is able to kind of – maybe it's Amari Rodgers, maybe it's a new freshman. You never know. Um, but you just want to see if he's got some chemistry going. Yep, agreed. Um, I, th I think that even though they will be missing Justin Ross and because you're losing T. Higgins, I still trust the Clemson offense. Like that is a college football playoff offense as long as Trevor Lawrence is there and especially if he has ETN. Defensively, though, there are some questions. You know, I was kind of running through these, these pass rushers, this defensive line, where you've typically seen Clemson just be dominant. And now they have some question marks. You know, uh, Xavier Thomas, I, uh, an edge rusher who I really like, but he, he hasn't proven that he's, like, refined. He can, you know, be a, uh, a player who you trust to go out there and be, you know, a, a top-tier caliber talent. Uh, K.J. Henry, the edge rusher on the other side, you know, similar in that way. Um, you know, Darian Kendrick, a guy who I was talking about earlier, Sage uh, before the show, but like Sage Sherratt's opting out uh, from Wake Forest. He would be playing in this game against Darian Kendrick, who's a cornerback, who was a high school quarterback, who was playing receiver uh, and then got switched to cornerback for like the spring game and won a starting job just because they were short on numbers. And last year he made some plays, but he didn't look like he knew what he was doing. But he's another guy who you have to kind of project instead of just saying, we know what we have there. Um, what, what do you think of this Clemson defense as a whole? And is there anybody in particular you think people should key in on this week? I wish I had a name for you, but honestly, I'm kind of going in blind this weekend. I mean, yeah. this team has lost so much talent over the past couple of years to the NFL, which, I mean, it's a good problem to have. But, um, I mean, you're losing a lot of playmakers, uh, specifically Isaiah Simmons. Um, you know, Tanner Moose, uh, Kayvon Wallace, those guys were huge for them over the past couple of years. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, a leading tackler, leading sack guy for them also. So it's going to be interesting to see where this production comes from this year. I mean, and going back to the same point, it's Clemson. They're going to have some guys. Uh, we'll probably have another guy or two on our radar after this uh, game. So just kind of, I'm just going in with a fresh slate, just trying to see who kind of pops out to me. Uh, which names I can write down and kind of keep in mind for the process here. All right. I like it. Um, before we move on from this game though, I'm curious, would Clemson be your preseason number one or uh, where would they rank if not? Oh man, it's tough. Um, I'd probably say, yeah, I think you have to just because Trevor Lawrence is coming back. Um, I mean, there's no Joe Burrow, there's no Tua. So he is easily the best quarterback prospect that is playing. Um, you know, Justin Fields would kind of give him some push. Obviously, he's not going to be able to do that uh, yet. Hopefully, he's able to do that at some point. Yeah. But um, I definitely think you got to give Clemson that respect. Even though they got uh, smacked in the national championship game, uh, they do have the best player in college football coming back. So it's going to be – they're going to be hard to stop, man. Yep. Yep. Uh, where do you want to go next? Which game? Um, let's see. You know, I, I actually kind of want to talk about uh, Georgia Tech, uh, Florida State. Okay, um, I like it. I think that can be kind of the sneaky best game. I guess, well, not really sneaky anymore since there's only, what, 20-some games. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this might end up being the best game uh, of the weekend, I think, for college football. And it's kind of weird because these are two teams that really struggled last year. Uh, Florida State isn't who they used to be. But they still have some guys that I think are worth watching. 
Um, you have Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback mm-hmm. outside. Um, you also have the safety, who's got a crazy name. I don't even want to try pronouncing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, Marvin Wilson, the captain on the defensive line. He's mm-hmm. someone that kind of flashed a bit last year. So we're going to be able to watch him against the triple option, which I think will be a big test for him. And then uh, on the offensive side of the ball, they've got some guys as well. Uh, Tamarion Taylor, the wide receiver, you know, Florida State has been struggling offensively for the past couple of years, but he's been one of the few bright spots along with Cam Akers last year. So just seeing if uh, Tamarion Taylor can kind of pick that back up and still kind of make an impact on the game. Um, just the contrasting styles between these two teams, you know, styles make fights, especially in football too. So just watching the triple option versus kind of a more fast spread team is going to be fun. I think. I like it. Um, where does Marvin Wilson stand in your eyes? You know, he was a name that really got passed around a lot starting last year, or at least last year, maybe even started the year before. Is he, uh, mm-hmm. uh pushing for a top 10 spot? You think? Uh, definitely at this point. I mean, especially since he's one of the only guys, well, not one of the only guys, but you know, obviously a lot of opt outs and stuff, mm-hmm. but, uh, he's someone I've seen ranked at the top of some boards. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can kind of hold that spot. And if he makes an impact on the game, uh, week one here for them, that'd be huge for his draft stock. I believe, uh, he's got really nice strength. Uh, that's the one thing I kind of noticed about him. He's got some real pop in his hands, which has been you know, he's flinging guys around, he's penetrating in the backfield. So he's got tools to work with. Um, just really seeing if he grew upon that. Um, I would like to see his a better first steps, kind of some better speed stuff from him. Uh, but yeah, that's just nitpicking at this point. Let's just see how he plays tomorrow. Okay. So Andre just joined us and uh, guys. Okay, good. You can up, hear Dre? us and talk. Perfect. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And what's up? Um, I'm curious. We're talking about Marvin Wilson. What do you think of him? Oh, man, he's intriguing. You know, always one of those, uh, I don't love the body a little too, a little too sloppy at times, but man, um, and he's another, I found that effort can be inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely some like watching him and being like, huh, I don't quite get him until you see those flashes and it's like oh my gosh how does a man this size move that way uh so he's he's really impressive i mean the the high upside with him is uh, tantalizing i think he probably could sneak into the first round had he declared last year oh wow yeah i, mean, I think I he so had too, though. that kind of talent yeah like when you look at the guys who are drafted right around there you know ross blacklock Right in that oh, sure. range. I, I would take Marvin Wilson ahead of him. I mean, you can make a case one way or another, but I think he'd be in that mix for sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, I mean, the things he's done standing up from a leadership position this offseason yeah. are really impressive too. That's true. Um, so, no, he's an intriguing guy, and I think I think the NFL always overdrafts nose tackles sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, but he's more of – that rare guy with nose tackle size who I think can do a little more than just your conventional two down clogger up up in the middle you know interesting um so we've talked about Clemson uh we've talked about the Mm -hmm. Florida State game uh Mm -hmm. where do you want to go next Ray since you're just joining us I guess wait who was Clemson playing that's the Duke game well Wake Forest Duke oh, is uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. Right, right, yeah. So Duke Notre Dame would be the other one. I've kind of been surprised that Notre Dame's been able to hold on to as many guys as they have. Um, that's a team that, particularly on the O line, is going to have me uh, very intrigued. You know, um, they're they're Four seniors, are. dude. <laughs> I mean, as much as people talk about Brian Kelly and maybe don't give him his just dues, what they've been able to do since he took over as the head coach in consistently pumping out top-level O-linemen, I think last year they had three Pro Bowl offensive linemen. One was Quentin Nelson, the other Ron Lee Stanley. I can't remember the third. That was more than any other school. So you always want to watch them in the trenches, especially as Broncos fans. You really want to check out. Uh, those tackles they've also been really talented on the edges I know there's a guy you really like Hank yeah um, for them and that's another position they keep churning out NFL guys and keep 
producing more. Uh, and they've kind of done that with uh, running back and tight end as well. And the wide receiver, frankly, has been pretty loaded over there too. They've just been so run heavy with those uh, great running games and O-lines. I don't think those wide receivers are getting as much shine. But I guess I'm kind of bearing the lead. The, a lot of people will be looking at Ian Book who has a college quarterback has been very good. I think people, when they squint and they see certain things, they can talk themselves into book as an NFL quarterback, but I don't think that's the case for me. It's all yeah. about the offensive tackles. Here. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that there's a guy I like, and I'll jump in and talk more about him, but Dalen Hayes, an edge rusher. He's a redshirt senior, so this is his last year. I think that this could be a, a sleeper. I, I, I feel like I need to like call a shot. In, in the first podcast back like talking it. about the season, I'm going to start with Dalen Hayes. So last year, as a, as a junior, he'd finally earned a starting job, but he had season-ending shoulder surgery about four weeks in, so he didn't get to play all that much. He's, he's like your true edge rusher. He can get around the edge. He's super explosive. He's, he, like, he looks like an NFL player. He's exactly what you'd want that position you just need to see the production come now um he gets like stuck on blocks so like if somebody gets their hands on him he's not going to be able to get off that but i think that's just like lack of playing time and he's somebody who has like all of the athletic tools four-star prospect who uh I i'm definitely going to be keying in on this week because i think that uh he might jump up some draft boards there are um, other edges nice ogun deji yeah yeah they also and, have yeah, a uh, linebacker uh jeremiah owusu koromoa and i was just yep. looking around him i i jumped on the draft network and i think the first line of their write-up on him was reminds me of davion taylor honey yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so i really like that uh but he's another one to watch tommy kramer and liam eichenberg i should mention are the two mm -hmm. tackles uh kramer actually kramer's been playing right guard uh so eichenberg more intriguing but kramer kind of has the size to fit a tackle too so uh that's definitely where you're focused in there all right um uh jake do you want to pick another game um we're getting a uh, bare bones here boys <laughs> yeah um, slim pickings <laughs> time I mean, the only game really that kind of intrigues me other than those three we already talked about would probably be Syracuse at North Carolina. Okay. Um, just because North Carolina's really had the resurgence last year with Mac Brown. Uh, just interesting to see if they build upon that. Um, you know, we had a couple guys come out of there last year. Um, I'm not too informed on who they have right now, but I'm just hoping to see, again, just some guys pop, just uh, get some names to write down for this draft process, really. Totally. The big story here for North Carolina is Sam Howell. A lot of people have him penciled in as the top pick, their quarterback. He was a true freshman last year. He'll be a sophomore this year. So that's what, 2023, I guess. Mm -hmm. He's the guy that people have penciled in. So that's definitely one to watch uh, in that North Carolina game is one of the best up-and-coming quarterbacks as far as the underclassmen go. And then honestly, Dino Babers to me is one of the better coaches in college football. I know I like to make jokes about the name being funny, mm -hmm. uh, but he comes from that Baylor school and everyone wants to buy into that air raid. What he's done with Syracuse has been really, really impressive. Uh, yeah. And you know, as people talk about college coaches and minority coaches to keep an eye on for the future, Dino Babers is absolutely at the very tippy top of the list for me among the, the prime candidates to make that big jump next year. All right. Uh, Definitely. I'll throw quickly out there one more game. UTEP and Texas. I know this one like looks like a blowout. The line set at like 40-something points. The spread is. Uh, but uh, I I'm excited to see it. Um, and there's one reason. UTEP has this really dope running back who uh, just broke out last week against Stephen F. Austin, an FCS school. But uh, Dion Hankins put on like 15 pounds of muscle over the off season. He came back. He, uh, he was, I think a sophomore last year when he got hurt in like the second game of the season and missed the rest. Uh, uh, but he was just running guys over just like breaking four tackles, doing whatever he wanted. Um, they, they're two senior backs. And so he was kind of their third option going into that first game. And they had 20 carries for 40 yards. Then he jumped in and put up like 123 yards on seven yards per carry. Uh, 
also like homegrown El Paso kid. Same thing as Aaron Jones who went through there. Uh, and I'm kind of excited to see, especially because Caden Stearns maybe not I, – it's tough to call him, like, not physical enough because he does, like, hit and stuff. But with him breaking all these tackles, there are some guys on that Texas defense who, like, at least in my brief time looking through it before this game, they seem like you could break some tackles against those guys. Also, uh, I should sure. say uh, the uh, UTEP uh, – total points line is set at seven and a half and so i will be taking the over on that <laughs> definitely <laughs> uh one more guy from that game though you got samuel cosme at uh yeah. tackle so i mean just as a broncos fan that's someone you got to look out for well yep one of the few guys we can still watch because uh, you yeah. know him and the notre dame guys because walker little just came out you know penny sewell's out of the mix we're losing guys left and right clemson another one where you want to watch the left tackle while he's mm -hmm. still playing so and, you know, with Texas, I'll throw a, that Joseph Asai. He plays like their jack position, which is their hybrid slot defender that most college football teams use now. It's the Almo Bowl MVP. Um, just like crazy athlete can do almost anything in theory, but isn't refined enough to do a bunch of it. Uh, he's actually like from Nigeria. He's another one who I am very excited to see because he's a big guy. And if he can feel out the coverage, then uh, he, might, he might fly up draft boards, too, at linebacker. Yeah, and actually, Caden Stearns, one of their safeties, another guy to keep an eye mm -hmm. on uh, for Texas. Sam Ellinger is a guy that I'm always intrigued by, if he could ever get accurate yep. and look to be more than, like, Tebow 2.0. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, there's some prospects on this Longhorns team. Yeah. Um, I think that that's all I had for today. Um, I'll, yeah. Does anybody else have any other guys that they're watching this weekend or games that they're watching before we move on to some rookie projections? I could throw out a couple. Um, just Iowa State with Brock Purdy. Um, he's someone as a freshman that was really impressive. Um, and also I'll throw another guy out there on Iowa State, uh, Tariq Milton. Uh, another guy that kind of flashed for me as a freshman when I was watching Hakeem Butler two years ago. So those two guys have been on my radar. And then uh, not a prospect, but I'm really interested to watch Oklahoma and see if Spencer Rattler just looks the part. Dude, total. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big one. Can they keep that up first time in three years? It's not just a transfer guy, you know. Uh, so that'll, yeah. that'll be huge. He, he comes with a ton of hype. Yeah. With Kennedy mm -hmm. Brooks opting out too, maybe having to rely more on the passing game than the running mm -hmm. game. I don't know. Trey Sermon's not there either. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> what a bummer. He's so fun to watch, Tracer, man, man. Yeah, I know. Yep. That was a tough one. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's, um, I think you guys covered it all. I think we yeah. did. Uh, before we jump into all of our rookie projections, uh, I do want to talk just a little bit more about MSU Denver Online. Uh, MSU Denver Online is the best way to get an online education in the Rocky Mountain region, or I guess anywhere because it is online, but of all the schools that are located in the Rocky Mountain region, that's uh, probably your best bet because that's what they have been designing themselves to do. They want to be a, a, an online school that brings in a lot of people uh, who work in the actual real world and come in, they, they're the professors of the classes. Um, and the idea being that you can just learn from people who do it instead of people who've read a lot about doing whatever it is you're trying to do. Uh, it's a really cool idea and it's also a more affordable option than a lot of other universities um, that are mostly holding online classes anyway because of the pandemic. So if you're interested in going back to school or starting school or uh, whatever that involves going to school, you should reach out to Harrison Wind or Allie Monroy because both of them have been taking classes at MSU Denver Online over the summer and they can give you more information about uh, their experience. Uh, you can also go to msudenver.com slash online to check out the 40-plus online and hybrid uh, programs. They'll get you a degree and uh, the over 700 courses that will, uh, I don't know, teach you something. So go to msudenver.com slash online and see what they can do for you. Okay, um, let's jump into these rookie projections. And I feel like we have to start with Clyde Edwards-Elair because he just Oof. tore the Texas. Jesus, man. 
Is, is this man going to run for 1,500 yards this year? Because that's kind of what it looks like based on how he started off. 1,500 all-purpose seems like a guarantee, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Crazy. That's the thing, though. Last night, they didn't even really use him in the passing game. We haven't even seen him fully unleashed yet. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're still giving short yardage carries to Daryl Williams. You know, he didn't convert down on the goal line. He basically, you know, in his first ever taste of real NFL action with no preseason, he basically just did what he had to. Hit the hole when he was in space one-on-one, made a guy miss. You know, it wasn't anything crazy. I mean, we are just scratching the surface, and he went off yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's scary. There was always some uncertainty with a rookie like that you know, in this kind of off season, but boy, you couldn't ask for a better debut than that. That was insane yesterday. All right. If we're uh, assuming that Clyde Edwards, Elaire is going to be uh, the, the best producing rookie running back this season, who is second, who comes in right behind him? Uh, it's, I mean, I, th- I think you have to go with Dre's guy, Cam, uh, Cam Akers. I think the the situation is set up there. You know, I know they're still going to kind of split the carries between him and Daryl Henderson, but, you know, they drafted him that high for a reason. I think Cam Akers is going to make a huge impact. Um, you know, and Jonathan Taylor as well. I mean, I've talked about him a lot on this podcast. Um, it's kind of in the same situation. You don't really know who's going to get the bulk of the carries there, but I do expect him to kind of break out and take the reins at some point. Yeah, I would have said DeAndre Swift going into the year, but it seems like injuries and them adding, adding Adrian Peterson worries you a little. You know, just the fact that they haven't quite figured it out at running back yet has me a bit concerned for Swift. I think maybe the dark horse here is J.K. Dobbins, who mm-hmm. something were to happen to Mark Ingram, some, you know, he, he could really take off and run with the kind of opportunity that could be there in Baltimore. But it's just hard to know because Ingram's there and because he's so important in that locker room. I don't think, you know, other veteran running backs, I think teams would be much quicker to kind of put him to the side and let the rookie run with it. Ingram, though, is so important for Lamar Jackson, the rest of the offense, I'm not sure. And I'm still very high on Justice Hill, the speed scat back they got from Absolutely. Oklahoma State. So the the – the shares in that backfield are gonna are hard for me to really gauge, and we'll get, we'll have to see that play out. But Dobbins has a huge opportunity if he is able to sneak like forty percent of the carries or something. You know? And and what's really interesting to me about that offense, I mean, you touched on how they have so many different running backs they could use. They could all be used in totally different situations. Like some of them could cross over, but then at the same time, that offense, one week they're going to line up with two tight ends and two running backs for half the snaps in one week, they're just going to go totally spread. And so you don't even know over the course of the season, what this offense is going to turn into. Um, And on top of that, the uncertainty with the running backs, but I do like that you called him as the dark horse because I've mostly just stayed away from him because I've been scared of all of the uncertainty, but he was right up there as one of the highest drafted. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I like the Cam Akers call. It's kind of surprising to me, though, that he wound up being the number three running back on that depth chart. That seems to be the case across all of these teams. You see DeAndre Swift down on the depth chart. You see uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor behind Marlon Mack. Do you think that the teams are putting those depth charts together and factoring in maybe we have to give the benefit of the doubt to the vet, but on game day you could see a guy like Cam Akers get more than you know, what you'd expect for a number three running back. I mean, I just don't think the talent is really there to keep Cam Akers off the field too long. Yeah, uh, I think that's the situation for that team. Um, and, you know, Sean McVay wants to run the ball. Uh, that's what their offense is built around is that wide zone scheme. So oh, nice. there's going to be opportunities there plentiful for him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Um, yeah, and I think these early depth charts, I mean, teams have to do what they're doing because no preseason, no, like, scrimmages with some other team. You know, it's just we're basically a month behind from where we usually be. So, yeah. you know, just take it with a grain of salt. But the adjustment will come soon enough. You know, we've talked about pretty much all of the running backs who were drafted early, except mm-hmm. for A.J. Dillon. And it seems like nobody anywhere is talking about A.J. Dillon. He's not showing up in fantasy, but he was a second-round draft pick uh, for a team that could be trying to run the ball a lot this year. 
is is there any chance that he becomes the guy in Green Bay this year? I I mean, Aaron Jones was so good last year. I just oh, don't yeah. see how he keeps him off the field and just I don't know, man. I really had my doubts about AJ Dillon just through the process and it's still so surprising to see he went 62 overall. Just yeah. I mean, in front of guys like Antonio Gibson, uh Zach Moss, Lim Bowden, I mean, mm-hmm. Those were guys I would have taken a chance on way before I even thought about A.J. Dillon. Yeah. Yeah, you wrote that his uh, gems profile, if I'm not mistaken, right? I'm pretty sure. I think so, yeah. I mean, I remember doing work on him. Do you remember the breakdown? What didn't have you impressed? Because obviously everyone sees the physical Mm -hmm. traits, and it's almost like, oh, how could he have slipped to the end of the second? His production was otherworldly, but there was a lot kind of missing there. Yeah, I mean, the offense was really, really built around him. Um, I mean, he was being given 30, 35 carries a game. So he was able to kind of just rack up yardage, um, even though my concerns with him really came kind of similar to J.K. Dobbins, kind of the short area quickness, the lateral movement type stuff. Um, more so with A.J. Dillon, for sure, though. It was, you know, he's, he's a freight train. So he's, gonna, he's at his best when he's able to get the ball and just run downhill and put his shoulder down. Um, I, how often does that happen in the NFL anymore, you know? So that's really my concern about that. And then the passing game as well. He was not good in the passing game, did not show natural hands. So I just, I mean, really, I struggle to see how he's going to fit in uh, early season and just throughout his rookie year, really. Yep. They better have a good plan for him or that pick is going to look foolish real quick. Yep. Yeah. Um, you, you brought up Antonio Gibson who's a guy who has similarities in his physical profile. But, I mean, the A.J. Dillon may have had more carries per game than Antonio Gibson did in his entire career. Now with Darius Geis not playing up in Washington and Adrian Peterson gone, Antonio Gibson has to be turning into a lead back up there, right? You talk about someone whose stock has just absolutely exploded since he was drafted. I mean, I mean, you want to look at a fantasy perspective. This was a guy that was going in like rounds 13, 14 in May or so. Now he's what a third round draft pick. So mm-hmm. uh, the opportunity is definitely there for him. Um, but again, I'm a, I'm a bit nervous. I liked Gibson, but I didn't really see him as a lead back type. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how often he's on the field, what situations they use him in and just how much they trust him. Yeah, absolutely. J.D. McKissick, the starter there, which is mm-hmm. weird, but I think Gibson's going to get yeah. a lot of opportunities. And then we got to see how Bryce Love factors into all that. That's a really interesting backfield. Let's just yeah. All right, uh, let's jump in with the receivers now. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of a three-receiver draft at the top with Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and C.D. Lamb. Now that the draft has happened and you've had a few months to sit on your thoughts – who is going to be the best one as a rookie this season? I mean, well, now I think you kind of have to say Jerry Judy, especially with Sutton's injury. I mean, he's going to have so many opportunities. Um, I mean, if Sutton's not able to play on Monday, Judy's going to be in line for 15 or so targets, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's really going to get the chance to shine week one. So uh, him for sure. Justin Jefferson, another guy that's going to be thrown into a big starting role right away. So, um, I mean, there's – there's a couple guys, uh, Van Jefferson too. He's been impressing a lot of people in mm-hmm. camp and he was someone I was really high on Me coming too. into the draft process. So yeah. I'm excited to see if he's able to make an impact right away also. Yeah. Van Jefferson getting some of that, um, shine on hard knocks. Well, not really, but they, they kept targeting him on Jalen Ramsey in practice. Ramsey just <laughs> shut him down every time, but yeah, he seems to be impressing. He fits that system nicely. Jefferson will be nice to see, how him and Thielen coexist with the whole slot stuff. Mm. I think, Jake, since uh, we last spoke on this show, Brian Edwards is slowly but surely becoming a household name, baby. Yes, sir. (laughs) I was to put money on, you know, which which Raiders wide receiver will have uh, the most productive rookie season. I think he'll beat out Henry Ruggs and have the more receiving yards, have the more – fantasy points and what have you. I think Brian Edwards is setting up to have a nice little season there in uh, Las Vegas. Definitely. I mean, I think he just fits in so well with what they're trying to do, you know, and just who Derek Carr is. Um, I mean, he is who he is at this point. He's not really a downfield guy, which makes it interesting for Henry Ruggs. How exactly does he fit in? 
But Brian Edwards is someone, you know, he's going to be able to work short and intermediate really well. And he's going to be someone that could really quickly become a security blanket, I think, for Derek Carr. Absolutely. And another guy I kind of feel like that. Sorry, Hank, to just slip this in. Pittman. I think Pittman's a nice little fit with uh, Phillip Rivers Mm -hmm. in that offense. I don't see Phillip Rivers slinging it deep to T.Y. Hilton but I see him working well with a guy like Pittman and kind of tossing him those contested balls. Yeah. Yeah. Something I mentioned, uh, sorry, Hank, (laughs) but uh, um, it's something I mentioned at one point, you know, rivers really flourished with Mike Williams, that big bodied kind of jump ball guy and Pittman is going to be the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Jumping in with, though, with Brian Edwards, you know, Jake brought up how he's going to kind of feast on those short intermediate routes. One of the reasons I'm so confident that things are going to work out for him early is what Hunter Renfro was able to do filling that same role as a fifth-round draft pick last year and now kind of being one of the keys to the offense, I think. Um, And I think Brian Edwards will just fit in there so perfectly, uh, and I'm excited to see that. Well, and that's where Ruggs fits in. Ruggs is that yep. decoy, yep. stretches the defense out. He never needs to be targeted, really. He's just going to open up space underneath, which is where they want to operate anyways with Edwards, uh, not Hilaire, Renfro, and then Waller. Yep. Yeah, Ruggs is like one of those guys. He needs three or four targets, and he can get he can make yep. his impact felt on the game immediately just with that limited amount of work. Totally. Who do you think will be the most disappointing receiver? who was maybe not drafted in the first round, but first round, early second, maybe even late into the second. Um, yeah. I might, might be kind of low-hanging fruit just because news came out today that Denzel Mims might not be yeah. able to play this year. So I think you have to mention him first. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone that will actually play that might be disappointing, though. Um, I mean, maybe Brandon Ayuk. You know, he's kind of struggled with the injuries, but I really mm-hmm. like that fit, too. So, yeah, I don't know. No, the injuries will be tough. I mean, so it, it's definitely Mims, who I was super yeah. high on. You know, he was ranked like where I had Jefferson ranked, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, then slipped like 40 spots lower than when, where I had him ranked. Don't like the Jets situation. Don't like how things are going for him. Ayuk also seems to be a little banged up, though. Debo Samuel's also banged up, so maybe there'll be more opportunity than we initially thought there. Um Honestly, though, the, the guy I think is already the most disappointment, uh, disappointing is Lynn Bowden Jr., who's yeah. already been traded, you know, and was a, we were pretty surprised to see him drafted that high, and the Raiders drafted him as a running back, and we we're thinking, oh, they're going to get creative and do this, that, and the other with him, and instead he's already moved on to another team. That's the problem with these guys. We can dream on them all, day, all we want, but if there isn't a very specific creative plan in mind for how to use them, they just get lost. They get lost in the shuffle. It's pretty sad to see Bowden uh, be in this spot already. Absolutely. And to build on that too, it's really hurts a bit more, I think, because I thought that was Lynn Bowden's role in the NFL yeah. was, you know, kind of a receiving type back that you can maybe split out in the slot every now and then totally. because I didn't really see it as a wide receiver with him. I really saw it with Lynn Bowden when he was playing quarterback and just running the ball. I thought he had natural vision. I just, oh, yeah. He just looked like a great football player running the ball. And if he's not able to make that jump to the NFL, it's really tough to see kind of how he projects out for the rest of his career at this point. 100%. Yeah. Real bummer, though, man. Love yeah. Bowden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on the receivers before we move on? No, um, I think – that about covers it. T. Higgins is in a tough spot there in Cincy. You know, we're going to have to see. I guess he's going to have to wait for the A.J. Green injury to really uh, really have his chances here. And Visca, I have no – of all yeah. these wide receivers, Visca could be the worst. Visca could have the best rookie season. We truly don't know what to expect from him in Jacksonville. I mean, truly like zero. I have zero expectations going on. This I'm the exact same. I'm glad you brought it up because I just want to see him on the field at this point and just oh, see yeah. how he's used and what's going on because, like you said, I have no idea what's going to happen. Totally, totally. It's kind of crazy, honestly. It's yeah, kind of seriously. Crazy. And then we want to hit the quarterbacks, Hank? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, let's do it. Is Tua practicing today, guys? You guys see that? I think he, was cow. he full, too? I think it was fall. This is insane. Let's go. Um, I kind of assumed he was basically going to be benched his whole rookie year and there'd be no point in rushing anything. But 
frankly, I think he'll be starting by like week five now. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because, you know, just talking to some buddies, we kind of put the over-under at game started for him around like seven or eight. But now that this he's already kind of in the mix here, it's – I mean, shoot, Ryan Fitzpatrick throws two, three interceptions on the first game for a second game or something, and we could see oh, two yeah. a lot, lot sooner than we expected. 100%. Yeah. I, uh, I think they're just kind of waiting for that to be their moment and seize it, you know. Herbert, we'll see. I could see Tyrod Taylor kind of holding things together there in L.A. for a minute. Um, but I could also see Herbert kind of pulling a Daniel Jones and starting by, like, week four. Sure. You know. And then, you know, not to bury the lead, but Joe Burrow, just from all the reports coming out, man, it just seems like he's really kind of taking control of that locker room. He already earned the captain patch. Uh, so big things really – kind of coming into the year we're expected of him and now I think even more so I think we could really see an impact from Joe Burrow week one really at this point crazy I mean if he blows up and becomes an NFL like star as he's been drafted to be whoever that OC was in LSU in 2018 needs to never coach a football game again. <laughs> yeah I mean to make That's a, a talent call. of that level play down so much is it's insane. It's unheard of. Yeah. And then um, another guy I'm interested, do you think we see anything from Jalen Hurts this weekend? Ah, the Hurts package against the Washington football team. Yeah, we probably do. We probably see like two to five snaps. I would not be surprised to see Philadelphia go for two and Jalen Hurts is the quarterback on that play. Great call. Great call. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's the exact scenario where we're going to see him, in fact. Okay, and we're back. We had to interrupt that segment because Hank was having some trouble, so it's just Jake and I to answer your questions. Uh, who would have thought you'd be the, you'd be the stable, stable factor in this podcast? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I've been throwing the clutch for us. Bangkok Bronco, he went on the DMVR Fantasy Pod to, to find us and ask a question, so we appreciate that. He said, uh, hey, guys, I'm looking to ask a 2021 drafts-related question. I couldn't find a link to a specific draft podcast, but as this is the same host, I figured this was my best shot. Please feel free to ignore it if this isn't the correct place. Indeed, it is. We'll answer it no matter where you put the questions. How many of the top 2021 prospects can we write in Sharpie? I think everyone agrees that Lawrence, Fields, and Sewell are guaranteed top 10 picks unless something goes drastically wrong. But are there any others? Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. We appreciate that. Thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely the big three. I think you could extend it. There was almost another big three with the top three receivers. I don't think Justin Ross factors into that anymore with the injury, right? Sure. But um, Waddle and Jamar Chase, I think they're also Sharpie-worthy prospects. Yeah. Anyone else you've got that you would put in Sharpie? I've got a couple more, but I, I don't want to spoil it yet. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm breaking out the Sharpie. Might be sticking with the dry erase, but I think you could kind of put Gregory Russo and Mika Parsons in that kind of same company. Well, um, that's the other thing. These guys don't have any more football to play. Yeah. So it's almost like their eval is in the books, aside from all the, you know, the draft process stuff obviously still has to be done. But the tape part, that's in the book. That's done. So in a sense, a lot of these guys already part of their career is in Sharpie because they, they've said, hey, I'm happy with what I've put on tape. You evaluate that and we'll go from there. That's true. I mean, that's exactly what I think Penny Sewell was thinking, especially Jamar Chase oh, as well. I mean, Jamar Chase had an unbelievable year, won the Bolitnikoff, did, did everything you could ask for. I mean, there's literally nothing else for him to do other than maybe go back and try and improve on that if he possibly could. Yeah. Or just risk injury, which it's just not worth right. it at this point. And prospects like that, almost always expectations are so high, they're almost guaranteed to just lower their stocks. I mean, Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase, there was no exceeding where they were at. I think Patrick Sertain is about as sharpieable as it gets yeah. for a back seven talent. I mean, he's the guy we've been talking on this podcast since he was a true freshman, uh, just looking like a man among boys. And I, I think Shane Wade, Sean Wade, sorry, uh, would also fit in that category. Shoot, maybe even Devontae Smith. And look, these aren't yep. like 
put him in Sharpie as top 15 picks, but put him in Sharpie as these are known commodities. These are top 50 guys. These guys, regardless of how next season goes, they're top 50 guys as long as it's not a devastating like ACL, you know, and that would impact even Lawrence and Fields and Penny Sewell's draft stock. So I think we agree on that. Okay, Kentucky UDFA has a great question that I'm going to table for next pod because I need to get – I need to put on some tape. You know, he's already had me watch tape of the Kentucky O-line. Now he's got some D-linemen to check out. Um, It's a big blue wall one way or another. So uh, that'll be fun. (laughs) But I'm I'm not ignoring you, Kentucky UDFA. I have seen the question from back in our last draft pod. We will get to it, but I just need more time to study. Count Locula asks, who are your top five edge rushers coming out in 2021? And also, why doesn't the NFL call the position name of guys like Vaughn and Chubb edge instead of linebackers? They aren't linebackers. They play on the line. They don't back anything up. They start it. Love the count. I'm with you, right? I think all of NFL Twitter and draft Twitter is with the count on this one. I would just call them edge rushers. I think, and especially since, you know, 3-4 and 4-3 fronts are so fluid nowadays. You're not an outside linebacker. You're not a D-end. You're an edge rusher. And we need to distinguish between a 4-3 D-end, who's a true edge, and a 5-technique, a D-end, and a 3-4, who does a completely different job. So I'm all in favor of this. When I do my rankings, that's how I put them. I think really the draft community has adapted to this already. We're waiting for the people that make depth charts and rosters to come along to this. Yeah, I think we're going to have to wait until you really see it on the Pro Bowl ballot and the All-Pro ballot. Uh, when you yeah. see a definitive edge position in those spots, I think that's when we'll finally come around and have edge as its own thing. Well, and is that an agent contract thing? Like, Because that, I, would, yeah. that would normalize things so nicely for all those edge rushers and just all of them be paid the same way, you know? Exactly. I think that's part of the issue as well. I mean, you can go on the offensive side of the ball too. When you start getting these hybrid guys that come in, I mean, look at uh, Rondale Moore. Uh, He's someone that could be like that running back wide receiver type where, you know, if he ends up carrying the ball more, you know, he's probably going to get into a heated negotiation once that time comes to get his due, to get his uh, rightfully earned money because he's going to be catching passes as well. Yep. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, okay, our top five edges. Rose, Rozo, is that what we, the, the Miami kid? Uh, he's up yeah. there. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's kind of the most, the better known commodity. Um, I'm really impressed by the duo they've got at Michigan. Aiden Hutchinson, maybe not a true edge, but he's a devastating there uh, on the line and Quiddy Pay uh, is on there as well. And then Xavier Thomas, the highly recruited edge out of Clemson, another top guy I'm coming in. He's a guy that the production has yet to match up, and he missed a lot of last season. But, man, I mean, all I have to do is see five snaps to know, like, he's a top 20 type talent, basically. Exactly. Yeah, and then, again, on those Michigan guys, just such a bummer, not just because they're my favorite team, but, you know, usually defensively they're pretty good. So, Ambry Thomas, another guy, uh, the cornerback that I was excited to watch this year. So, just a big bummer, man. I know. I mean, we'll see with the Big Ten because that's the one that really feels – makes us feel like we're missing something right now, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. And then – Adam Anderson, he's a junior at Georgia. This kid has all the length and talent in the world. I remember seeing him in a like a QB1 clip and have kind of been following him since then. I think there's a lot of talent. He's kind of an underrated guy to keep um, an eye out for. And another guy at UGA is Aziz Ojulari. He's got a lot of hype. And I mean, another of these like super long edge rushers who's kind of complete you know the dogs do a good job they they don't just pump out edge rushers those guys can do a lot more than just rush the quarterback um but really outside of that top three then it's a bit more beauty in the eye of the beholder i guess carlos basham of uh, wake forest is a known commodity um who, where's my Oregon State kid? Hemel Chair Richard is a, another guy who's, who's up there at Oregon State, um, kind of a smaller edge. Uh, but, yeah, it's crazy that in Broncos country you need to start thinking like this again. 
Yeah, definitely. That's the scary thing about this is that we are actually at the day where we can kind of picture Vaughn no longer playing for the Broncos, which is really sad to think about. Hopefully it's not the case, but it is something that must be, you know, kind of considered at this point. Um, You know, I don't really have anyone to add on the edges, uh, but just, uh, you know, just watching LSU and Alabama, you got to, they're going to have someone, you know, Uh, they usually pump out guys at that position, but just there's no real chase young or anything. I mean, I guess you can kind of make an argument for Greg Russo, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if he's at that level. Um, so really kind of a down year for the edges. Which is weird because we were coming off a down year last year. Um, yeah. That's a position where I get a little worried once I start to see the fall off. Because just a couple years prior, I thought, oh, man, there's no end in sight. There's so much talent. Um, Miami opposite Russo has that Temple transfer, uh, Roche, who's another guy that needs to be in. Mm, okay kept in mind for sure and yeah i mean all, all the premium programs alabama and lsu above all else we mentioned clemson with xavier thomas usc had a ton of stud uh outside linebackers obviously we won't get to see those guys uh till the spring but yeah just a kind of a good rule of thumb there even ohio state i mean if they ever yeah. play well they'll have plenty of talented edge rushers and oh, then we definitely. close it out with a, a non-question but breck drew shout out to you he says what's up guys i appreciate this pod because i'm a big college football fan but not cu or csu war eagle but anyways thank you and keep crushing it we appreciate that we appreciate that we can kind of serve all our football communities at large with this podcast. Um, And Jake, thanks so much to you for being on here. I look forward to doing this more often during the season. Always a pleasure. I'm actually looking forward to going back and listening to the stuff that I missed at the beginning of this pod. Um, And yeah, you guys enjoy some college football. Enjoy the start of the NFL season. And uh, we will come back to you next week um hopefully with jake again but we'll have more college football and prospects and all sorts of stuff to talk about so get those questions in the feed and we will see you next week